Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you very much. It's a very, very great pleasure to be with you today. Uh, it's always nice when you do it in your own home church because it feels slightly more familiar. Um, but it's good to be here. Mr. Ishiyama was unhappy about his wife going to church. They had three boys and family life was very important to him. Camping in summer, skiing in winter. But his wife had become a Christian and she had discovered that going to church and being with God's people on Sunday was very important and she didn't want to, do, to know what to do because he didn't want her there. What would we advise? Mr. Tamara refused to allow his wife to be baptized. It had taken her quite a number of years of moving from no interest to starting to study the Bible and then to believe. She had become a Christian and he wasn't happy about it. Mr. Nakagawa's business went bankrupt and it bankrupted him emotionally, materially, psychologically. He was suicidal and his wife, who was a Christian, just didn't know what to do. Our little church in the north of Japan set a goal to pray that some of these husbands would become Christians. Men are very hard to reach in Japan and we want to see families in our churches. And my prayer partners joined in that, some of you who are here today. And this is a theme that has been repeated uh, many times over the years that I've been in Japan as we've prayed for Christian husbands for our Christian girls, prayed for pastors, uh, for the church that I go to, and for other churches in Japan. And God answers prayer. It can take time, but here is the warp and woof of what we are about. This is what partnering across the world is all about, and you know that, but I come here to tell you that it's true and it works. And this is the point at which we are all involved in mission together. If you came to, with me today to Wakaba Church, you would meet each of those men actively involved in our work there. Mr. Ishiyama's wife developed breast cancer and died in her 50s. But before she died, she saw him believing and baptized. Mrs. Tamara suggested, she was a Christian, her husband was resisted, was resistant. She suggested to him that they started having devotions every day, something I can't quite imagine happening too often here. Long before he believed, and he agreed to do that, he was going through a lot of pressure in his work, in his personal life. And so at the end of the day, they would read a Bible passage together. And she would pray, and eventually he believed, and he's one of the leaders in our church today. The church rallied round shy, troubled Mr. Nakagawa, and he eventually responded to the friendship that was offered and gave his life to Jesus. God answered prayer. 
as God's people, we're caught up into his purposes in the world today, wherever that may be, whether there or here. God's request to go into all the world embraces all of us, whether we stay my there or you're here. Japan is a country that in many ways is similar to our own, and yet it's so very, very different. High tech is what you think, and yet it can be very, very traditional. Materially comfortable, yes, but emotionally very fragile. A leader in world markets, and yet in these days very economically insecure. Rich in culture and history, and yet in many ways, again in these days, crumbling socially. But we need to switch our perspective from these things, don't we, as God's people, and stand where he looks, uh, where he stands and looks out over his, his creation. I uh, w- went up a mountain just on the edge of Sapporo at twilight one day, and it's a wonderful place to go at that time of the evening because you watch the light fade and the darkness come. And gradually you watch a little light here and a little light there and another one here come on. And gradually the lights of the city, one and a half million people in Sapporo, just a fraction of the numbers in Japan, but the lights come on and the lights show. And as I stood there watching that, I just thought of Christians in Japan and the church in Japan. Little lights scattered here and there that one day we long to be such a much bigger light in that community. I'm able to look back over 30 years of living and working in Japan. And there are many churches that uh, have come into existence in that time that weren't there when I first went to Japan. Other churches have grown in that time. Uh, And we have unique opportunities in Japan, some opportunities that I think we never even would get here, a country that puts absolutely no restrictions on visas for people to come in to do Christian work. And there's a lot that is encouraging, but Christians are a drop in an ocean, roughly one church for every 17,000 people, less than 1% of the population Christian. And people still come up and say to me, but Japan isn't a country where you send missionaries to, is it? Well, it is, and the needs are great. Um, There's a lot to show for uh, the work that has gone on over the years in Japan. But there isn't a lot to show for years of concerted prayer for spiritual breakthrough. Ask a a Japanese person, is your mother a Christian? Is your husband a Christian? And they will, if they're not a Christian, they will say, Marades. Marades means not yet. So, no, they're not a Christian, but they're not a Christian yet. Maybe someday they will be. A Christian, not yet. Spiritual breakthrough, not yet. There's a great not yet when we think of Japan. God's heart that we go into all the world. God's heart, that we pray for his work across the world. He's called us to a journey with him, an active journey. And for some of us, that has meant saying yes and getting up and going um, wherever he would take us. And sometimes that's not where we had ever thought he would take us. That was certainly the case with me. My wildest imaginings in my teens and 20s would never have taken me outside the UK, never mind to Japan. But that's where he took me to. 
For some, and for many of you, it has been saying yes to staying here, (coughs) wherever your here is, and fulfilling that request to go into all the world here, um, in your own neighborhoods, to the foreigners around you. And for all of us, commitment to that journey is a commitment to him and to where he will take us, and having a heart for him above all else. Tell me, where are you on the journey that he has called you to? That journey can be a physical one, to the other side of the world or to the other side of the street. But it's also an internal, personal one, as we journey with God in our heart and in the circumstances that we find ourselves in from day to day. I went back to Japan in 2008 after nearly five years at home. And it was hard to go back. I'd got settled here. But in my personal journey with God, that has turned out to be a very important stage. And Japan has been an important place for me to be at this time. This has been important for my own sake, and I believe it's been important uh, for some of the people that I've been walking with over these last two years. Two years of walking with people through some of the tough times of their lives. That's such a big part of what I do as the OMF nurse in Japan, working very much in an advisory and support and practical capacity with our team of 120 missionaries and their families. I get involved in very practical ways. And I think of these two years, I think of walking with a missionary who was struggling with all the pain and unanswered questions of multiple miscarriages of walking with several of our missionaries through complicated pregnancies, of walking with a new missionary not long in the country, going for simple routine surgery that turned out to be malignant, of others struggling in their work situations, feeling out of their depth, struggling with all the adjustments the monotony of long-term language study, two years of full-time language study when you come to Japan, with the disappointments and slowness of the work uh, that we're involved in, in our church work and church planting. Does my praying make a difference in these situations? How do I pray for people? Don't you ask those questions. How do I pray for people in some of these situations? And I find that that has become a theme for me uh, in in the last two years of my life. Nothing that I searched out, but just there because of the work and the people that I've been involved with and something that God has taken me into, I believe, to teach me more of himself at this stage of my particular journey with him. A theme that has been there in the people I've been involved with and in books that I'm a reader. My default relaxation is reading and I read all sorts of things and certainly not all Christian stuff. But do you ever find that God brings, he brings threads together in your life and he pulls things out of a book and he pulls things out of a person's situation, out of a sermon that you hear, just out of something that's going on. And he builds a theme into your life. 
And that has certainly been so for me as I've kind of struggled and thought about the whole thing of suffering and God and prayer and suffering and God. I just want to mention two of the books that have been part of that, not in any way, but I know they're on the book book stall at the back. I may say that Mark Buchanan's books have been a great gift to me over these uh, last two years, and I warmly recommend any of them. Here is one, God on Mute, some of you may be familiar with. Uh, How do you cope with the unanswered questions in life? Excellent book. Uh, And Paul Miller, A Praying Life, Connecting with God. (coughs) Excuse me, God in a Distracting World, another very, very good book. Uh, and I recommend that you browse with those and others uh, on the bookstall afterwards. What have I learnt over these last two years? And indeed, as I look back over 30 years now of uh, living and working in Japan, I have learnt that prayer is all about God and not about me. God is at work in far, far deeper ways in people's lives than I ever will know. And only he knows what he wants to do through our praying. And we can be praying for one thing in somebody's life. And God is working in their life at a totally different level. And God, in the mystery of his working, takes my prayer for that thing that I think needs prayed for and works out something at a totally different level in somebody's life. And it's wonderful to be caught up in mystery. I think it's wonderful, actually, to have unanswered questions in the economy of God's working. He calls me to pray, and so I pray. I have learned that it's a lifelong learning process. Molly and Mary were already retired when I met them for the first time. They were both friendly, active, fun, single ladies in their retirement, and they were prayers. And many of us benefited from their prayers and their letters uh, over the years. And I remember one time thinking, oh, were they always like that? And realizing, no, I bet they weren't. They became like that as they grew older. And the challenge that has come to me again and again, they're in glory now, but the challenge from their lives is, am I becoming that before God as I allow him to work in me and teach me. The truth is that I struggle with prayer. I struggle to pray. I struggle to know what to pray. And a quote from F.B. Meyer has helped me a lot in this last year. He says, the greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. I find that a challenge. I have learned that when I'm struggling and feel dry, it's important to do two things. I've told you I'm a reader. I read all sorts of things, and it's definitely not all Christian stuff. But I have learned when I'm struggling and dry that it's very important that I'm reading Christian books, biographies, or whatever, that I'm letting that go in in the midst of everything else, and that I stay close to people who are close to God. And I can think of two people in particular who just always, by their, who they are, just help me to keep focused on God. I've discovered that I sometimes get to see or be a part of the answers of other people's prayers. And that may be your prayers. On the spot answers. I, I think of the girl who had surgery that I mentioned before. Uh, going into surgery, and in her mind was a phrase from that lovely Townend song, There is a Hope. 
he whispers courage in my ear. And I think, is that whisper in her ear an answer to some people's prayers at home? I think of two weeks ago, sitting with one of our mums who's in language school at the moment. It's been a very difficult first term for them. And she said, I want, we want to make the most of this opportunity to study. We've asked people to pray that we can do that, that we can make progress for our attitude. And we're seeing the difference. We're so aware that people are praying. That's the difference you can make when you pray for your missionaries. I've learned that I need to be aware of what God is teaching me in the present circumstances. Is there a theme in my life, in your life at present? Are there circumstances in your life at present? And God is teaching you, or God wants to teach you something more about himself. He's reaching out to you in a new way. Do I have eyes to see where he is? What he is saying, what he is doing in the ordinary things of my life at present. He's there and he wants to speak and I need to respond to that. And I find that as I live these things, a heart for God grows, a heart for intercession and for involvement in his world and in me. The girl who had surgery wrote a prayer letter recently and there are aspects of that time that she's still working through and can't yet put into words. But here is part of what she wrote about her time in hospital earlier this year. When one cannot sleep, what can one do? Lying there at night, I tried hard to sleep, counted sheep, talked to God, thought about life, my graduation, prayed. I thank God we can pray anywhere. At some point, I thought perhaps I was hospitalized just to pray. But even that is precious, to be able to pray silently for these fellow patients, Japanese people around her. And she goes on to describe some of these people in situations and acknowledges to her prayer partners that they had been praying for that. And some opportunities arose for her to speak to her uh, next patient in the next bed. She finished language school shortly after this, and she's now working in church, getting further training uh, in her first term of service. And she finished her letter in this way. The next few weeks are going to be busy with lots of movement, moving things, moving myself, seeing obstacles moved on my behalf. These days, I find it difficult to pray. There are many things in my mind. Do check on me if I have been praying. It's so important to be prayerful throughout the decisions to be made and goodbyes to be said. And I think it just sums up the here and the there, but the togetherness. This is what, where we all come together um, in mission and in what God wants us to be involved in in his work today. May we each have the grace to let God grow us individually as we journey with him, not lose sight of that, giving us a heart for him and his world catching us up into his purposes, whether here or whether there, up into his purposes for his world today. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.